Lebanon's state of collapse has become the country's new normal. Its economy is in ruins. The World Bank says the financial crisis is among the world's worst in modern history. And with soaring inflation, the Lebanese lira is almost worthless, pushing more than 80% of the population into poverty. Institutions and basic services have broken down. The near-bankrupt state can't afford fuel to provide electricity. For many, the living conditions have become unbearable. The UN calls Lebanon's financial meltdown a man-made crisis. For decades, successive governments were accused of corruption and mismanagement. Politicians spent more than the state earned. Commercial banks, often owned and controlled by the same politicians, offered high interest rates to attract deposits and became Lebanon's major lenders. Eventually, foreign inflows stopped. And in late 2019, the state system collapsed. Today, depositors are locked out of their accounts. Is Lebanon a failed state? I'm Zana Khudur in Beirut. Can the financial meltdown get worse? Four years into the crisis, and political and financial elites are blamed for obstructing prospects of securing a rescue package from the IMF. Will Lebanon be able to change course? Find out in the next half hour as the economy minister, Amin Salam, talks to Al Jazeera. Minister Salam, thank you for joining us. Pleasure. Is Lebanon a failed state? Uh, that's a very tough question. Uh, it's a very tough question because to prove otherwise is difficult as well. Uh, we see a total collapse that still continues for the past three years particularly on the economic front, as well on the political front. Unfortunately, Lebanon has been run by politics, not the other way around. Usually, uh, when we want to talk about progressive countries, progressive states that look after their people, after their future, after their visions, uh, a lot of the indicators that are economic, driven by the private sector, by financial and economic successes, really uh, put the framework for the government. In Lebanon, it's the other way around. Everything is negatively impacted by uh, uh, the politics in Lebanon. Everything is negatively impacted by the regional uh, 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 constraints that uh, Lebanese politics are affected by. For the past three decades, we have seen that Lebanon has been going into one crisis after the other even at a certain uh, period of time when we had hope that Lebanon after the war will witness an era of you know, uh, recovery and growth uh, during the times of Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri. This dream vanished very soon, very early, and we lost the hope again, going back to 2005. Sir, you're, you're correct. This country has seen a lot of crises. It has been a battleground for regional Absolutely. players. But there's something important. There has been mismanagement and corruption that, that has run the economy into the ground. Th those are the roots of the problem. You, I mean, you put really the, 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 uh, you put the, right, the right description of the roots of the, the roots of the problem in Lebanon have been uh, 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 corruption and mismanagement. And myself, as Minister of Economy, that has been in this position for almost 14 months now, I have always been very transparent about this reality. I said that we inherited, we inherited 
a system, a failed system. I, I don't like to use the term failed state because it's a very dangerous term, despite the fact that we see a lot of its components or a lot of its elements very visible today in the country. But it is a failed system that destroyed the economy in the country, uh, destroyed uh, uh, the savings of people, and destroyed the dreams of the generations uh, to come and that are today still dreaming of Lebanon. So you would agree with the assessment of the United Nations, the EU, that this is a man-made disaster it is by a absolutely, handful of politicians? It is absolutely a, ma a man-made disaster driven by uh, decades of, uh, uh, I would say, political greed, political uncertainty, uh, following uh, uh, corruption agendas, not re really looking into building a nation based on institutions, based on vision and hope and dreams for generations to come. Uh, Lebanon, after the war, continued to live within the, 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 the system of the warlords, and that led to a country that had no economic vision, no financial monetary vision, and no uh, uh, proper management for any sector, because we have seen uh, by the IMF, and I have been part of the IMF negotiations team, that there is a shock that Lebanon is a unique failed situation, unique failed system in the world. We couldn't even benchmark it with any other country globally that faced a crisis like that because everything uh, dropped at the same time together. The entire system collapsed within two to three years, uh, including major sectors like energy, like water, like, uh, I mean, the, the minimum basics that any country, despite the fact we are facing an economic disaster, but everything else collapsed at the same time. That tells you there was something wrong within the structure, and once the sensitive spots uh, uh, were hit, everything collapsed immediately. You, you, you keep talking about this 30-year-old system, this 30-year-old structure, which was involving a political class which is still in power. Yes, you are a newcomer, you inherited this, but there are traditional parties that who really hold the reins of power. The same people who are blamed for the collapse, are they able to change this system that is so desperately Absolutely needed? Not. Absolutely not. You cannot expect change from the same politicians, I would say, because I usually don't like to uh, point fingers at political parties because we all know that uh, political parties are movements. Political parties include people, include hundreds of individuals, include families. I would say it's more on an individual basis. It is a certain group of people that run the different political parties that have been following the wrong uh, 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 vision for this country, or better say they did not have a vision for this country. So can we fix the country with the same people? Absolutely not. They even know that. They even know that, that we need a clean slate. We need, most importantly, individuals that have a fresh mindset. Because Lebanon, the Lebanon today, the Lebanon we dream of, needs people that can see the future. If you assess today what's going on up till this day within the parliament, within the government, which I am part of, within the entire system, we are still, till this day, economically and socially, discussing 
the problems of, of the past and how we are going to divide the responsibilities while no one has the clarity of mind to talk about tomorrow, to yeah. talk about growth, yeah, about yeah. GDP. You've said this, you've said this so, in interviews in the past that there's a lack yes. of political will. In August, I believe you said that things, uh, the Lebanon is going through a very difficult economic crisis. Reforms are needed to stop the bleeding and to start the recovery. Yes. A month later, you even said that you were hoping October would be a magical month. Yes, because a, we're, I, we're February. You're absolutely right. And when I said October, we were right after, fin yeah, it was the period right after finishing the successful uh, 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 first arrangement that we had with the IMF, uh, the staff level agreement, that we put tremendous effort to get through because we were fearful that we will get into uh, 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 you know, a situation that we are in today with no president, with a parliament that's in a very difficult position, with a caretaker government. We wanted to do the IMF staff level agreement before we get to where we are today, at least to give hope, to show seriousness, to reflect that we want to change. But unfortunately, when I gave the date October, I was hoping that October will be a month that will begin to translate what we did with the IMF into actual results. Hopefully, at the time, I was hoping uh, we would have finished all the draft laws, we would have ratified those recovery and reform laws, and uh, start a serious discussion with the IMF on finalizing a final agreement. As we have been watching the IMF do that with Tunisia, why, why, with why Egypt. have they been buying time? I mean, at the end of the day, the capital control law, for example, even that's one of the, the requirements of the, the IMF. Even if it is implemented now, it's futile because the money, the billions of the dollars have left the control, control the country. law became the biggest joke in town. The capital control law, and I tell you that as Minister of Economy today, and I don't attend the sessions uh, that uh, are about capital control because to me it became like a big joke because uh, as, as, as uh, some uh, economic experts say, when you want to do capital control, you do it to control the capital. There is no more capital and there is nothing to control. I, I suggested to show more seriousness and to show more credibility to even change the name of that law and call it the framework law that uh, arranges the relationship between depositors, the judiciary system, and the banks. Because it's not anymore a capital control law. Today the problem is that, as we have seen, unfortunately, the past few months, that people are resorting to violence to get their deposits. Uh, uh, the problem is now, how are we going to organize the legal relationship of the depositor and his rights, and the banks and their rights, and how is the judiciary system, whether it's international or local, going to be dealing with that? Because today, as we see, there are lawsuits that are being filed overseas in different countries that are being fully executed and asked by the banks to be executed in Lebanon. So, but are you hopeful there that the judiciary has, you know, it's, it's seen as politicized? There has been financial impunity. We're four years into no, this no, crisis. No, no, we have, we have, we have, and we have seen that the past few weeks. There is a serious problem within the judiciary system. This is yet another major issue to really work on and, and very quickly fix. Because if we lose that, I can assure you, everything we're talking about as hope as potential investments in Lebanon, oil and gas industry, 
all that because when you talk about investors, when you talk about monies coming to the country, which we need to fix the economy, you need a proper judiciary system so that the investor is comfortable that if he brings a penny to Lebanon, first of all, he can protect it, and there's a legal system that can assure him that he is in a safe place. Discomfort is not there today. Discomfort do you, do, do you needs think immediate work. The, the people of this country, the depositors, they will ever see their money back? I mean, will they ever get their money back? Look, I, I, I have been asked this question probably a hundred times this week. And my very simple answer was that unless, unless today we have uh, uh, presidential elections and a new government that is not a caretaker government, a real government with full authority to take very serious decisions, at least to ensure, I mean, on, on, on economic and financial basis, I can tell you if those components between a president and a new government are in place within what we have in Lebanon, I can assure you the government can uh, arrange a structure for the depositors to get back their monies on a certain period of time. I am a big believer that we can do that. We can get the depositors back their money, but we need uh, a very, very courageous uh, decisions to be taken. But it's not going to be easy because the World Bank just a few weeks ago said the country's current, future state-owned assets, public real estate and potential but uncertain oil and gas reserves, if you combine that all together, it's worth only a fraction of what has been lost, the financial gap of $70 billion. No, uh, to, I mean, I'm not sure who, wh wh where from the World Bank this came out. I mean, we, I mean I'm, 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 I'm a very, very close a minister that works with the World Bank. And I have been in many places very positive towards, uh, in most uh, positions, how the World Bank is helping Lebanon. But as far as reports coming out of the World Bank, most, uh, most recently the latest report that came that even uh, gave a, a, a very negative image in Lebanon, and that's the last thing we need, I was very reserved and I communicated with a lot of the World Bank leadership. I said this is not fair for Lebanon because we do understand what is in that report. We have heard it, but we don't need to push it more. It's not helping Lebanon. So, so you so believe Lebanon... The numbers, mm. sorry to interrupt yeah, yes. you. The numbers that you just mentioned, I, I totally disagree with them. Because if we are talking about 70 billion or 80 billion or 100 billion, I can assure you that the assets of the Lebanese government, the real estate of the Lebanese government, especially if we are to combine them with uh, hopefully commercial quantities that are viable within the oil and gas industry after uh, the companies do their explorations during this year, I can assure you they can go beyond, beyond uh, those numbers. So I say that the cure and uh, uh, the, uh, you know, the solution are there, are within this country. It just needs proper management, as we said. As we said. It needs fighting corruption and really having uh, leadership that is working to solve those problems. So, so you believe this maritime border deal that Lebanon signed with Israel, which means that Lebanon can now explore the possibility of oil and gas reserves in the Mediterranean, that this is some sort of a magical solution or a solution to Lebanon's woes? I would say it's a blessing from the skies, really, at this, at this very critical moment in the history of this country where we have no light in the tunnel except to really think that Lebanon has the opportunity and the potential to become an oil, join the oil and gas club. Potential, as now it's, it's potential, being, most experts potential. say. And I have personally met with 
uh, several directors and several managers from the oil uh, companies, uh, including Total and, and uh, Qatar Energy. And they are very optimistic that in Cyprus and Egypt, which are right on the uh, maritime border with Lebanon, massive explorations have been there. So they see that the basin of uh, those spots uh, cannot justify why wouldn't Lebanon as well have major explorations. So betting on that, betting on that positive note, I think Lebanon has a very unique opportunity, has a very, very, very viable sector that can really, I wouldn't say it is the, 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 the sector that will save Lebanon, but it's a very major critical one that can make a very big difference in the equation of the Lebanon of the future. If we can improve our ability to produce here uh, uh, R&D based businesses like software developments, like digital economy uh, clusters, and then agri-food business develop that sector. We can improve our tourism sector because in my, in my opinion, 70% of our tourism potential has been killed by lack of environmental policies. If we fix that, if we focus on that, we can boost our tourism revenues. I, I think we can triple it up. Uh, uh, then we can work on the digital economy piece and we can work on the agri-food business. But the country needs electricity to do that, no? This is the uh, elephant in the room, yes. the electricity. Uh, today I was on the phone uh, early morning with the minister, uh, seriously discussing the gradual uh, increase of electricity hours, how it is going to impact all the work that we're trying to put in place. So what is standing in the way? I mean, the, this, the electricity company has been bleeding the state budget for years, for decades. Uh, the international community, even before this crisis, said reform this sector, import, import an independent board, financial transparency. Absolutely. Why, what, is, what is stopping? I can tell you, uh, uh, and it's not confidential information, in our last session for the government, in our last meeting, the first agenda item was the electricity file. And we did that session for the electricity file. And we had the CEO of uh, uh, the electricity company in Lebanon present a full-scale, uh, very positive electricity plan. However, it all goes back to the reasons, the roots of the problem, mm -hmm. that in the electricity sector have been either corruption yeah. that or uh, a lack of being able to uh, collect uh, monies uh, from uh, people that are using electricity in different parts of Lebanon for a variety of reasons. So if those are not managed, whatever plan we put, uh, we put in place, whatever energy plant we build, we will not be able to improve because the problems will still there. So, so this starts by fighting corruption. The representative of International Aid for Lebanon, he was, he was in the country, he met the Prime Minister. Again, he reiterated. Even uh, some politicians tend to blame the United States for not waiving sanctions so that Lebanon can't import electricity from Egypt and Jordan. True, the US administration has given mixed signals. But at the end of the day, the World Bank is not giving the money until reforms are implemented in the electricity sector. So we keep going around in circle. Yes. Politicians, the, the same people in power, if they don't want to reform what that, can that you is do what, I'm saying. What, are, I mean, what are you up against we, we are we are stuck we are I mean whoever wants to find solutions that uh, fall under the understanding of recovery and reform today will get to a place where you have a dead end when the political will is not 
positive, when the political will is not patriotic. Even with the IMF in our negotiations, we negotiated uh, multiple, multiple scenarios for the exit uh, into a better economy. But it seems you, you, are, you support an IMF uh, financial package. Absolutely. Absolutely. But there are uh, but, very powerful you know political forces who are against them. I know. And I am against them because, uh, uh, because uh, the reason I explained it very clearly, I am not after an IMF arrangement simply because I want $3 billion to be dumped in the economy. No. I am supporting an IMF framework because by all economic standards, by all commercial standards, by all private sector standards, in any company, when a company goes bankrupt, the first thing you do, you change the management and you put a new framework and you bring in the interim a new group that restructures the company and then brings it back to life. This is what we need in Lebanon. This is the most important component of the role of the IMF that is putting a framework for, uh, to fix 20 or 30 years of, as we said, of mismanagement and corruption. This is the most important piece of the IMF, the framework that is going to audit the government, that is going to point to in the right direction where to invest, how to invest, and put, hold you accountable. Otherwise, the, the project will, or the funding will not continue. Yes, well, some parties, tend, you know, they, they scare people that the IMF is going to impose very harsh conditions. Yes. When, in fact, the state, yes. the past four years, imposed even harsher conditions. Absolutely. Lifting subsidies. From day one, that's latest, what... Uh, the latest yes. baby formula. How can people afford? That has been one of my biggest uh, fights. And I was one minister that refused to lift subsidies on bread because I told them the least the least that any responsible official in any state in the world, the least you can tell your people is I will save your bread because this is the last thing that people resort to when they lose 98% of their, the value of their income. But you were also criticized once when you said that uh, you were talking about subsidies for, for wheat and bread, and you said, well, the Syrian refugees in this country are eating, I don't know, or buying 500,000 bundles of bread a day. There are politicians in this country who tend to blame the presence of at least a million Syrians for no, the... All the of them now, today, today, all the politicians, every politician in Lebanon today, with no exceptions, I can tell you, they are uh, uh, now saying that the presence of the Syrian refugees, at the end of the day, those are human beings. And we are part of this international community. We have uh, laws and regulations that we should follow. But everybody now agrees that when you get to a point that you're saying for such a small economy that is falling apart, that almost 50% of your population now is Syrian, as one of the ministers announced uh, last week, because on, on uh, official numbers and non-official numbers, we're looking at over 2 million today in Lebanon. And Lebanon is a population of almost 5 million. It is weighing very heavy, very heavy on every single no uh, doubt. Uh, piece no of doubt. the There's economy. No doubt that, that there but when I made my statement, my statement was not within an intention to say that we uh, should stop uh, selling bread to my statement was made in the context that I had, uh, I had a responsibility to clarify how are we spending our subsidy and who is really using the subsidy. Some in the international community will tell you their presence in one way or the other 
in, is helping bring in much needed aid. When they issue, when, when, when UNICEF or UNHCR makes an appeal, donor appeal, one for Lebanon, one for Syria. Very few actually donate to Lebanon because they don't want to pour money into a corrupt system. So they give it to the Syrians. But the money is used in the country. 50% Lebanese benefit from that money. So at the end of the day, the pre their presence in one way or the other is helping Lebanese as, as well benefit. But like you said, the bottom line, there is a political class that's unwilling to reform for the time being. Where is Lebanon heading then? There needs to be a much uh, clear, uh, uh, I would say, monetary solution, number one. Number two, and most importantly, we need to get the recovery and reform laws ratified immediately by the parliament with no further delay. And if there is anything that they need to get back to the government to uh, improve or update, it doesn't need six months. It should be done much faster. There is no excuse because our biggest element, uh, enemy is time. Unless we work on the judiciary system, control and show seriousness in the monetary side, all the other steps talking about attracting foreign investors, etc., etc., will be only talk with no uh, results because nobody, nobody will be able to feel comfortable to come to the country if your monetary policy is not clear and if your judiciary system is not assessing and working through this transitional period. We have a serious transitional period that needs to be managed properly and the IMF deal is a key component in all this equation simply because it reflects confidence, it reflects seriousness from the Lebanese government that they are willing, despite the fact that it might be harsh, to follow all the IMF uh, requirements, but it is much easier than the misery that we are living in today and the complete lack of vision. Thank you. Thank you very much, Minister Salam, for taking time to talk Pleasure. to us today. Thank you.